Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in for Bearcat Rewind. We started this podcast back in the fall and took our first season of Bearcat Rewind through December. The focus primarily was on a couple big anniversaries for Northwest Missouri State football. Celebrating the 20-year anniversary for the 1999 Bearcat football team that won a four-overtime thriller over Carson Numa to win the national championship. Then the 10-year anniversary of the 2009 national title team. That was our jumping off point. We had a lot of fun with coaches and players from those teams, reliving some memories and catching up with some folks we haven't seen in quite a while. The hope was to jump back in with an episode or two in April talking about a national championship for Northwest basketball and the historical significance that comes with it. But unfortunately, the NCAA tournament was wiped out due to the coronavirus, but you can't ignore what the Bearcats have done. So we want to talk about this Northwest men's team led by Ben McCollum and have some fun with some hypotheticals, also what might have been, so we called on our friend Will Warren to join us for today's podcast. Will writes about basketball and is a stats guru. You can find his work online at statsbywill.com. He's also on Twitter at statsbywill. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And Mosaic Medical Center Maryville. Mosaic provides orthopedics and sports medicine services. For more information, mymosaiclifecare.org slash sports. We talk with Will about this year's team, how some of the Bearcat stars stack up to their Division I counterparts, and what could have been with the NCAA tournament. Will Warren is our guest on this edition of Bearcat Rewind. Today joining us here on Bearcat Rewind, we have Will Warren. Will is a University of Tennessee graduate back in 2015, a major in English and a minor in journalism. He writes about basketball and stats, lives there in Knoxville, Tennessee. Of course, a big fan of uh, the Volunteers, but uh, he's become a pretty good fan of uh, the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats as well. As well. Uh, Will, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us. And uh, First of all, just... Uh, your status there in Tennessee and how things are looking. Of course, we're supposed to be watching basketball right now, but uh, the coronavirus uh, derailing us from that. How are things on your end? Uh, I'd say they're pretty good. Uh, Knox County specifically has only had one case. Uh, I personally uh, already had the day off from my day job, so instead of basketball, we have watched uh, the Princess Diaries movie series <laughs> 1 and 2. Uh, actually, not too bad, i got to be honest. Made your first go-around with them, too? Uh, I've seen the first one a long, long time ago. Uh, uh, and my wife wanted to watch them both today since we're both off. So uh, we popped them in. Truly not that bad. That's 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 good. Well, maybe maybe we'll uh, <laughs> check that out a little bit later on this evening with my wife, too, and see if she's interested. But... Um, Overall, though, it, it, we were there was such a high, especially here in Maryville and across the country as we head into March Madness and people are getting so excited about uh, the NCAA tournament coming up. But what was the feeling like on your end whenever you see that press release come out that um, the tournament and essentially college sports the rest of the year, and of course it's, it's carried on from there, but the NCAA tournament completely wiped out. What was your feeling? Uh, it's pretty crushing. Um for somebody, you know, just personally as somebody who my account and the stuff I do basketball-wise really centers around two specific times of the year, the summer slash the offseason when people are looking for new ideas and looking for new writing on basketball and March itself. And to have one of those wiped out with the other now extended is a very uncharted waters, uncharted territory. But, I, I mean, I, I can feel that way, and it's obviously – awful as a sports fan but 
uh, genuinely, I feel so much worse for the teams, the players, the fan bases, all affected by it. Um, especially crushing for those who had real chances to win the D1, D2, D3, NAIA titles, both men's and women's. Yeah, we, we, we of course, watch Northwest Missouri State a lot, but even getting ready for some of the teams coming here and you see how good some of these teams are and how well some players have played throughout the season as their senior year, and you know that this is their final go-around, I think, about Southern Nazarene and, and their two big guys, uh, Dunn and Spates, and, and how good they were. And I'm kind of like, man, like this is a team coming into the tournament that had not had the success that Northwest Missouri State had had, and they're looking at it saying, man, if we find a way to get through this region, we have a legitimate chance of getting um, through the Elite Eight and, and onto a championship because they've been, um, they're that good, they're that talented. And then just to have that taken away there at the last second, I mean, that's, um, man, that is such a punch to the gut. So uh, it, it's really hard for, for all those guys up and down. Absolutely. It's, you know, I, I did mention, you know, the, the teams that are contending, but also you think about the teams that haven't maybe been in a long time or, you know, it's a senior class getting their first run. It's especially crushing for them. Before we got to this point, I guess it, it must have been after the MIAA tournament or maybe it was after Northwest wrapped up the regular season. I, I, I can't remember which, but I shot a quick email to you just saying, hey, you know, um, you know, hope you're doing well and, and what do you think the odds are for Northwest and kind of the hopes that we get that open line of communication that I'd end up seeing you later on in Atlanta for the national championship game there that first weekend in April. Um, and you sent me back a pretty sizable email with a lot of stats, a lot of stuff on Northwest Missouri State that kind of <laughs> led me to believe that you were still pretty invested in the Bearcats, but how much have you had a chance to watch Northwest and, and keep up with what's going on here in Maryville? I got a chance to watch a few games, whether it was online or through Synergy. Uh, because of So what I do here in Knoxville, I, I do video previews of every U- University of Tennessee basketball game. And so... Well, what I get to watch outside of D1 basketball is kind of limited, but I made uh, specific plans to watch Northwest games several times this year, uh, not least because, yet again, they were number one in the nation uh, in terms of points per possession on offense, and they broke the record on Synergy that 2018-19 Northwest set. So it, it was uh, it was pretty easy to watch, to be honest, in terms of uh, – how nice it was to see a team play fun, efficient basketball. Now, just re- catch us up as well, because I think that folks have really gotten to know the name Will Warren around Maryville, but for those that might have caught on a little bit late, especially last year, uh, how did that connection come up? Was it just kind of searching through the efficiency for each offense and he kind of saw Northwest off the charts, or was it a different reason? It was that specifically. It was uh, I had been searching through Synergy, uh, so to back up, last year, Tennessee basketball had a fantastic offense. They ranked, I think, third to finish the season on Ken Pomeroy's adjusted ratings. And I had been kind of looking for comparisons across all levels. And so I went through Synergy, through the data I was already using, and expanded it to, you know, all three levels of NCAA plus NAIA. And I found this team in Maryville, Missouri, Northwest, uh, who was blowing the field out. And I was thinking to myself, this is fascinating i've got to figure out what they're doing and you know from then on it was uh i I think i tweeted out a shot chart maybe and the the official northwest basketball account had retweeted it and that kind of started the uh the uh relationship and the connection and it's been just it's really funny i would honestly say that i probably have more fans per capita in maryville missouri than i do where (laughs) i live but uh i greatly appreciate it and you know, it was part of the off-season stuff I did last year. 
uh, where I looked through 36 of the best offenses across college basketball. I interviewed Coach McCollum, got to know him a little bit, and uh, he was gracious in allowing me a little bit of insight into what he does. And so, yeah, it's just been, a, I guess, a year now of uh, courtship of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got that Bearcat shirt, of course, you're sporting around Knoxville, right? Exactly. It, it, it remains uh, the only free shirt I have received from a basketball team. <laughs> well, whenever we look at, at what Northwest is doing, I guess um, for the common basketball fan that's kind of paid attention, I guess, to maybe the NBA the last few years, is it a comparison to what we've seen the Golden State Warriors do as, as far as it's a three-pointer or a dunk or a layup? Or it's, it's always a high-percentage shot like that. Is that what sets them apart? Yes, they have. Uh, they had last year and have this year very similar shot selection where uh, at, at the time – at the the uh, the end of last year, I believe it was 88% of all Northwest shots were layups, dunks, or threes, which is a astounding rate. Uh, not really, you don't really see that often anywhere. Um, and they pretty much did it again this year. I think they got to 87.3 or thereabouts. 87.3 percent of all shots, layups, dunks, or threes. So it's that level of shot selection, and you know, just subjectively watching them. You don't really see Northwest take a lot of runners. You don't see a lot of 14-foot jumpers. Uh, it's high-percentage basketball aimed towards getting the most juice out of every single possession. We look at last year, and you mentioned that the Bearcats broke the record on Synergy as far as their points per possession. They come out uh, this year and, and playing at a high level once again, ranked number one in the NABC Top 25 and uh, the number one seed heading into the NCAA Central Region Tournament. What are the chances in your mind that Northwest Missouri State goes in and repeats this year? I think they would have been fairly high. I, I do. I, I don't know that they were as quite a standout favorite this year as they were last year. It, it's. I'm trying to think of a good, you know, D1 comparison to it, but and it really could have even been this year for D1, where there's one clear. Last year, I feel like there's one clear best team, and it was Northwest, and no one was really even close to their level. Uh, you know, they had a couple close games down the stretch, but, you know, no, they never, when I watch them play, and it, especially in the Point Loma game to win the title, there's never a point late in the game where I was thinking, okay, Northwest could actually lose this game. It felt very safe. Uh, this year, they, they had the, I guess it would have been misfortune or fortune, I don't really know which, of it would have been them, Lincoln Memorial, and UC San Diego, in my eyes, and maybe West Texas A&M, too, of you know, a real strong group of four teams that stood out from the pack and were going to make for a great showdown in the semifinals and finals. And you know, personally, I would have expected it to be Lincoln Memorial in Northwest. Um, Lincoln Memorial is about an hour and a half away from where I live. They have been a phenomenal team this past season, uh, and they were right there with Northwest in every computer metric. Uh, they were, you know, also top five in offense as well for most of the season, and so I think that would have been a phenomenal matchup had we gotten to see it. Yeah, we look at Northwest, uh, only one loss, and they've won twenty three since that loss to uh, Central Missouri and Warrensburg, and and I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say Lincoln Memorial had won close to what upper twenties or thirty in a row at this point. I mean, they'd just been uh, absolutely on fire, so. It would have been tough, but it would have been fun going in and if Northwest had gotten to that point and if we'd had an NCAA tournament to play that out at least. But uh, you look at uh, last year, you lose Joey Wittes and you lose Dre Starzl. Um, 
couple good seniors uh, for your team, especially Joey, an All-American. Um, but whenever you bring back the guys they bring back and, and four or five starters, did you expect there to be much of a drop-off? Do you think the Bearcats kind of came back in where they probably should have to where they're still well above the rest in that points per possession, but um, not quite the same, especially whenever you have a freshman like um, you know Luke Waters or West Dream or even um, Tyler Doherty, a senior, stepping in there, and those three kind of rotating in that fifth spot to, throughout the season. Well, right. I, I mean, I, I would have personally expected a bit of a drop-off just because you lost so much from that team. It's natural, in theory, that they were going to regress a little bit to the pack. And to just, you know, subjectively, I didn't really know that a team could blow out the field again on offense quite like Northwest did, and yet they did. It, 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 to me, this would have been like had the Villanova team that won the title two years ago, had they followed it up last season by being somehow even better offensively. That would have been insane. And yet Northwest actually did that. You know, you look at, you know, replacing with us, but replacing a lot of depth and you know, coming out and being better offensively, they were a tad bit less efficient defensively, but it wasn't a noticeable drop-off. Uh, I mean, this would have easily been the most efficient offense in Division One, uh, And this, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it broke the record they already broke last year for offensive efficiency in the Synergy database. You know, what's crazy, too, is that if this is a Division One basketball team putting up the numbers we saw last year, uh, not only do you lose Joey Wittes, who moves on, but you're probably seeing the other four guys leave early and head to the NBA if you're that good of a shooter. You're going to go ahead and get paid millions of dollars. The beauty of Division II basketball is these, these guys came back last year, and outside of Ryan Welty, you're seeing those other three who were on that previous championship team of Bernard, Hudgens, and Hawkins moving on to the next year as well. So there's, the, there's a chance that they continue this for a third year round and have that same offensive efficiency, which would really be... Um, just outrageous but whenever you look at it we know how good they were division two wise but points per possession does that stack up the same across if you're looking at d1 teams too was with northwest above everybody there or was it a little bit tighter i think if you just go by raw numbers they're clearly ahead of the pack adjusting for schedule i think would you know make it a different conversation one that's not super easy to have numbers for simply because there's not a ken pomeroy for d2 or similar but that being said, I think the closest comparison, you know, athletically and efficiency-wise in my mind that I'm, that's coming up right now, if you remember, like, the peak Rick Bird-Belmont teams, I think it would have been a very similar feeling in terms of, you know, win-loss, in terms of offensive success, in terms of how fun it was to watch, and in terms of how, you know, tough they would be to scout for an opponent. I think it, it would have been that, that type of team if you try to translate them to D1. So, uh, and I don't know if you got to meet him last year, but uh, here at Northwest, the Assistant Athletic Director for Media Relations, Colin McDonough, um, does a great job with our game notes and finding a lot of stats and kind of mining those. Just an, an interesting one here that blew my mind, and I don't know if you'd had a chance to see this yet or, or catch up on it, but he had one. It's 100 wins and six or fewer losses in a four-year period. Now, the top six on this list... Two through six are UCLA between 71, 72, 73, 74, and I guess that 70 team as well. So it just off the charts, UCLA, John Wood, and everybody knows how great that program um, was there. Number one on the list, Northwest Missouri State at 131 and six. Now, of course, playing more games, and that, and that plays a role in it too, but it's unbelievable whenever you think about 
one of the greatest basketball teams of all time, UCLA, and how Northwest Missouri State kind of quietly stepped up from the Division II ranks and sat right next to John Wood and those Bruins teams. Well, right, and you know, it's like you mentioned, it's hard to go by record perfectly, but uh, I mean, to just I mean, just straight up, there hasn't really been in a, the modern era a team to follow up a season like 2018-19 Northwest with another season of one or fewer losses. It's reasonable that if that's true in D1, it's probably true in D2, D3, and AIA. That's the same. This is a very unique and surprising dynasty. And really, I would honestly say the closest comparison is if you were in, say, year four or five of the North Dakota State football dynasty. It's a similar deal where, you know, historically, and you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong, Northwest Missouri is probably not a, a high-end, high, super crazy high-talent D1 recruiting base. Neither is North Dakota State. But it doesn't matter because you get players that want to come in, be better all four years, and you have a coach who, the, I mean, the McCollum's philosophy clearly is doing something right because if you win 131 games in four years, you've got a great thing going. And, you know, uh, I know we were going to discuss uh, Coach McCollum later but to me, you know, this is a 39-year-old, the best offense in college basketball. The graduating senior class just won 131 games, lost six teams in four years. You know, there's always going to be hesitancy when guys jump from level to level. And personally, I hope McCollum stays at Northwest for as long as he wants. But I, I, I don't understand passing on McCollum if you're at the level of like a Drake or some another mid-level NBC program. You know, if, if you're a mid-major program that's never made like the Sweet 16, you should hire him immediately. Well, and, and that is kind of funny, too, and I think that's something that, uh, you know, Northwest Missouri State fans, media, and, and hey, I'm a Bearcat graduate, so I'll say it, too, kind of sweat every year. You know, you kind of look at the openings, and you're like, who's going to call them, who's not? Um, you know, who would have the arrogance to not make the phone call to them right now from uh, mid-major? But what's what is kind of funny, too, is last year with an opening at Arkansas and an opening at UCLA and some big-time programs, and you see fans that have never watched a Division II basketball game um, tweeting out, why aren't we looking at this McCollum guy? Look at what he's done. It doesn't matter what level he's at. If you're winning like that, you're doing something right. Uh, I think, of course, the recruiting aspect, people would worry about him pulling in the, the big-time guys. But I feel like with his philosophy and what he's doing X's and O's wise, he has to be as good as any available coach in the country, doesn't he? Absolutely. I mean, I think – I would imagine in Missouri in particular, again, correct me if I'm wrong, there would be hesitancy from a program like Mizzou or, you know, a high major program to do this because of the Ken Anderson case. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, so. and that, But that said, Anderson never lost fewer than four games in a season. McCollum's lost six in four years. They're, they're not the same. You mentioned the recruiting aspect of it. Let's look at a guy like Trevor Hudgens. Comes in from Manhattan, Kansas. Um, had some other MIAA schools after him. Luckily, he chose Northwest Missouri State. And I'm going to throw some hypotheticals at you right now, Will. Um, we saw him uh, play against uh, Trey Jones from Duke back in the exhibition to start the season. And Trey ended up being the ACC Player of the Year and the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And arguably, Trevor outplayed him in that game. Uh, 27 points on 9 of 18 shooting. Had four assists, uh, a steal, a couple of rebounds, while Trey finished with uh, 18 points, five rebounds, two assists in that basketball game. How does a guy like Trevor Hudgens, in your mind, stack up to some of his Division One counterparts? Uh, it, it, it's kind of hard to compare across levels. Obviously, you know, you have to adjust for schedule and all that. But it, it's very rare to me 
that you would see a guy like Hudgens uh, at the D1 level, you know, shoot 53% from three, shoot 87% from the line, 53% from the field, you know, nearly 200 assists on the season in 32 games. And, oh, by the way, he scored 20 a night. Those type of players just don't come around often, you know, even at D1. So for this to be happening at the D2 level, you know, obviously is pretty astounding. Uh, the, the other guy that I think, you know, I wanted to shout him out either way because he's uh, the guy who got me the free shirt <laughs> is uh, my guy Ryan Hawkins. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, the, obviously the scoring leader on this year's team at 22.7. But something that I, I did a little research on for D1, and you can use this as much as you'd like, uh, there's only been five players in the last 27 years to average 22-7 and seven and make 80 or more three-pointers in a season. The last guy to do it in D1 was Mike Dom from South Dakota State. Another guy you might know who did it is named Kevin Durant. Wow. That's a pretty good company. <laughs> He's just incredible to watch because the guy, so when he was coming out of Atlantic, Iowa, I guess kind of the book on him was he's a fantastic rebounder and a guy that really goes uh, goes hard after it. But, man, it's it's crazy to watch his development too, as far as he's a magnet to the basketball, takes great shots. Um, and whenever a couple games where a three pointer wasn't necessarily falling for him, he still found a way to post up, get in the paint and find other ways to score and help out the team. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's just kind of a freak out there that still has another year left for Northwest. Exactly. Well, and even from last year to this year for him to go from scoring 13, 14 a night to nearly 23 is a remarkable increase. That doesn't happen very often for upperclassmen. Yeah, and he had a chance. You know, had Northwest continued on and, and made it to a national championship, and he kind of kept going in the direction he was going, he had a chance to, I want to say, set the single-season scoring mark in Northwest Missouri State history and just another reason why it's so uh, deflating to see Northwest not get a chance to go into the tournament because quite a few records had a chance to still go down. And um, since the season got cut short by um, possibly six games, that really uh, changes the outlook of where these guys could go down um, as far as some of those all-time stats at Northwest Missouri State. Um, mm. Another guy I wanted to throw out to you, Ryan Welty, a big-time shooter, a guy that made more than 50% of his three-point uh, attempts here at Northwest Missouri State. Where does a guy like that kind of fill in? He had some low-level D1 offers, chose to come to Northwest Missouri State instead. How does he kind of fill out if he takes that D1 route? I think he would have filled out pretty nicely. You know, to, to me, you know, it's it's hard to find stars. It's hard to find, you know, great leading scores. It's less hard, in theory, to find guys who are willing to work really hard and, you know, fill their certain role. And I feel like Ryan Wilkie is the perfect ideal role player. You know, there's only, this year alone, there are only two players in D1, uh, Tyler Hagedorn of South Dakota and Aaron Neesmith at Vanderbilt that made more than half of their threes if they took over 100 of them on the season. Uh, no player in D1 history, period, has made more than half of their threes. So that alone would have set him apart as a role player at D1. Um, and, you know, you could always, there's always the case of, well, what would have happened had he had to play with the deeper three-point line in Division One? But, you know, really based on what we saw numbers-wise this year where the average three-point percentage only dropped by about 1%, I don't really think it would have affected him much. He's just a great shooter, and he does, he's one of the best I've seen at either level of knowing his spots and knowing what it is that he does well and doing that thing. Yeah, he is one that Coach Smack praises a lot, not only because, like you said, he's got that stroke, but also 
he's a good defender. He takes on the other team's best score a lot of nights, and he'll just kind of do whatever is, is uh, necessary for him to do. And so um, a really good senior leader here for this Bearcat squad. And, and one guy, the last one I'll ask you about, made maybe the biggest leap, I think, from, from year one to year two. And um, obviously that's hard to say whenever you look at Trevor might be the, the national player of the year, and he was fantastic from his redshirt freshman to his sophomore year. But Diego Bernard was a true freshman last year. Um, played really well. He was a hustler, a, a good defender, a guy that could jump out of the gym. But it really looked like he really came into his own as his sophomore year went along um, and, and really put together some impressive games, including in my AA tournament semifinals, I think he had 10 points and 19 rebounds. I mean, he's really come around, maybe the best athlete out there for Northwest Missouri State, um, but a guy that can kind of do it all. What's your take on the times you've had a chance to see Diego play? Well, he's a he's a tough tough player, and I think you, anybody who watched, if you even just watched the D two title game last year, you think you would have seen that he's a hard nosed tough guy. He plays you know every possession uh, to an extreme amount. I like it a lot, but I think you know statistically he got better as a shooter this season. Uh, you know he had more assists, obviously, but he got much much better as a rebounder. And I think to have a great guard rebounder, you know, he finished second on the team in rebounds behind Ryan Hawkins. You just don't see that very often in D1. It's not, it's nothing against guards necessarily. It's that, just that it's kind of rare that you see a guard who's willing to go fight with people six and seven inches taller than them on the boards and get the rebound at the end of the day. All right, Will, I got two more questions and I'll let you go. Number one. Does this Northwest Missouri State team, if they play at a Division One NCAA tournament, boot out a Division One and climb their way up into that tournament? If, in a hypothetical situation, they could do that, do they fit in above some of these other D1 teams in that tournament? Possibly. I think it depends. You know, like anything, it really depends on the matchup. It depends on who they draw. Uh, I will say that I think I would have felt more confident about last year's team knocking off somebody in the first round. I remember, I think I did a podcast around the time of the D2 final uh, where I said I, I would have taken Northwest over every team in the first four, including Belmont, uh, actually. This year, I think they would have been a little bit on the lower end of that, but I, I think, you know, no matter what, it, it's a team that does things really well. They play, they obviously are playing the right way of their efficient as they are offensively. They're extremely hard to scout by the same metric. Uh, you know, again, given the right matchup, anything can happen, and I definitely think they could have put down a team or two. Well, this was like kind of the, the last one I wanted to end with with you too, but now you had in, in your projected um, championship game for Division One um, on your website, which if anybody wants to check that out, that's statsbywill.com, you had KU over Duke winning it all, um, if I'm not mistaken, and the yeah. Bearcats only lost by, what, two possessions to Duke, so... <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're telling me Northwest would be in the Elite Eight in Division One. They they could be. I mean, <laughs> here, here's the thing. Given the right draw, given the right set of circumstances, basically anything within reason can happen in the NCAA tournament. You know, obviously there's the UMBC type of deals, but, and, I mean, in my lifetime I've seen a 13 seed get to the Sweet 16 and take North Carolina to overtime. You know, I've seen 12-seed Missouri go to the Elite Eight. I've seen 11-seeds, multiple of them, go to the Final Four. If you get the right draw and you face the right teams, anything is possible. And I think anything could have been on the board for them. And the the real shame of all this is that we have to keep discussing these as could have been instead of, well, what actually happened. But 
you know, I guess that's the nice thing about it, too, is we have all these, you know, these open-ended questions where there's no perfect answer necessarily allows us to kind of think about it more, and it kind of serves as catharsis in a weird way. Well, Warren, we appreciate your time. Uh, I know it's not a good time to travel, maybe not right now, but have you booked a plane ticket to come up to Maryville for a basketball game next year? I am hoping to. I would love to come out and see everybody and, uh, you know, be at a Northwest game. Uh, I, it's, it really is a mission to see the, the best offense in the nation in person again, and to be with you, you all would be awesome. Maybe we'll get shirts with your face on them, too, and we'll, we'll hand those out that night. It'll be Will Warren night at Bearcat Arena. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> All right, man, we appreciate your time. Uh, stay safe in these weird times here around the United States, but uh, I appreciate you joining us on Bearcat Rewind. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Will Warren joining us on Bearcat Rewind. Hopefully we can get him to a game next season. You can read Will's stuff online at statsbywill.com or he's on Twitter at statsbywill. Thanks for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next time.